Hello and welcome to Take 5 with Sachs, five minutes of our 65 years of experience where we address important topics that impact your business and your life with our experts here at Sachs. My name is Todd Polinak and with me is my partner Craig Winkipedia Casano, Winky for short, and today we have our resident SALT expert, Kevin Soares, whose passion is to help businesses to not just survive, but thrive in these difficult times. Now, Kevin is the leader in Saks's state and local tax practice, and he's gonna share with us what business owners ought to be doing now to avoid any regrets later. But before we go to our interview with Kevin, I want to ask Craig if he would share with us a couple of things that people may not know about state and local taxes. Craig, take it away. Thank you, TP. Before we give Kevin the stage, I'm going to share a few fun facts with our listeners, starting with a bit of history. So state income tax picked up speed during the 1930s as a result of property tax collection slums arising from the Great Depression. That said, Hawaii was the first state to adopt an income tax in 1901, 12 years before federal income tax. However, Hawaii was not officially granted statehood until 1959. So one would argue that Wisconsin was the first state to implement income tax in 1911. Switching a little bit, with the seemingly ever rising federal tax rates, one might wanna consider moving to one of the states with no personal income tax, which are Wyoming, Washington, Texas, South Dakota, Nevada, Florida, and Alaska. Honorable mentions being Tennessee and New Hampshire, which only tax interest and dividends, not wages. However, be sure to speak to your tax advisor if you're considering packing those suitcases for one of these states anytime soon. A quick final fact. While it's no secret California and New York's debt amounts are amongst the largest of all states, Alaska, South Dakota, and Tennessee are at the top of fiscal stability lists. There you have it. That's me winking at you. Hey, thanks, Craig. So, Kevin, the floor is yours. Tell our audience what three things they should do now so that they have no regrets later. Kevin? Thanks, Todd. Today, I'd like to talk about three things and our return to uh, COVID-19 restrictions. As we receive our vaccines and state governments ease restrictions on economic life, we should all reconsider our state tax profiles. First, let's consider our businesses' state tax footprints. There are two primary causes to revisit this. First is changes in fact, and second is changes in laws. We all had changes in our facts in 2020, where most of the economy tried to telecommute to some degree. Many, state tax, uh, many states issued guidance to temporarily ignore those changes in fact. In essence, assume that our 2019 fact patterns held for 2020. But with the world entering a post-COVID-19 era, those temporary guidances are expiring. Further, many taxpayers will discover that their post-pandemic world is not the same as their pre-pandemic world. That is, we may have a permanent change in facts. For example, an employee may discover that she can be very effective working from her out-of-state home. In ordinary times, an employee working from home would be sufficient to create nexus for her employer. But during the pandemic, many states temporarily ignore that nexus creating activity. If she continues to work from home, even occasionally or part-time, this may create nexus for her employer on an ongoing basis. As employees discover they can remain productive while working remotely, many employers may discover that their post-COVID-19 state tax footprints are much more expansive than they had been before the pandemic. Second, employees and their tax withholding employers 
should consider their individual tax reporting obligations. If an employee works from her Florida home rather than her New York City office space, she may expect to enjoy substantial state tax savings, but maybe not. New York is one of several states that has a convenience of the employer test, which makes it challenging for individuals to source income to their home locations. She should do what is needed to establish and document a bona fide office space in Florida. Further, she should take steps to document that she has ended her residency in New York and created a new domicile in Florida. It will be much more effective to document these positions today rather than during an exam years from now. Litigation involving tax-friendly New Hampshire and tax-heavy Massachusetts is currently underway to address this very issue. And lastly, as businesses discover that their tax footprints have changed, they should keep in mind that not all changes are bad. Expanded nexus may mean more tax filings, but it may also lead to dilution of apportionment in tax-heavy jurisdictions. Or businesses may discover that their employees' new remote locations offer tax incentives for hiring in those jurisdictions. Changes, in fact, should lead to changes in our tax reporting, but those changes may be advantageous. And back to you, Todd. Thank you, Kevin. So ending our podcast with a quote in the spirit of our discussion today, death and taxes in life are certain. Knowing how to pay only your fair share is third. If you'd like to ask a question about today's topic or any topic, have a comment or would like to learn more about us, just send us an email at tank5 at saxllp.com. Sax is committed to being our client's number one advisor by understanding their vision and providing solutions that exceed expectations to assure their success. Every day, we strive to live our tagline, Sachs, expect more. Thank you for taking five with Sachs. Wishing you all an amazing and profitable day.